Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt, and on this show, I have the pleasure and privilege to sit down with some of the smartest, most interesting people in the world and talk about how we think. Uh, as I say, there's not any way we can know everything that's out there. So it, it, we have to make shortcuts, and it's good to compare those shortcuts with other people, compare notes on on how we make our way through this wealth of information the world is throwing at us these days. Uh, these are the kinds of conversations I had growing up with my grandpa Carl in his front room, with my grandma Roxy in her front room. Uh, I got lots of great ways and different ways of looking at the world, great conversations, and it was all leading me to this moment right now. Uh, welcome into the front room, Derek Gould. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I look forward to this conversation, though. I, I'm worried about the buildup there, so I have to raise my game to be considered part of the smart conversation. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. You're too humble. You are a reporter. Uh, do you describe yourself as the beat uh, reporter? Is that, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, I'm the, the baseball writer, uh, lead beat writer for the Cardinals at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So yeah, a beat writer and baseball writer are two titles I'm very proud of. So yeah, I like those. And, and, and well, you should be. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the best podcast in baseball, which you also <laughs> host. It is, it is a must listen for me every time it comes through. So thank you for that too. Yeah. Thanks for being a listener. It's uh, getting ready, I guess, for the 11th year of it, which is uh, remarkable um, that it has gone on that long and that people continue to listen to it. It's exciting. It's been a it's been a cool way to kind of add to the story as, as you're doing here, like to have a conversation as another layer of storytelling. I, w- I wish I were more nimble with audio storytelling. That's mm. always a goal. Um, but, uh, but the podcast has been a great outlet to just kind of share with folks some of the conversations that used to be reserved, I guess, for the, for the press box. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the main things I enjoy is just hearing you chat with, with the various folks, not just I- on the team, but even more often, uh, other folks kind of in and around other folks, uh, at the post-dispatch. Uh-huh. I have to say, having grown up in the St. Louis area, I have a huge veneration for both Bob Bragg and, and Rick Hummel. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you, you kind of in that, in that lineage, uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's a big deal for me. To, no to pressure. See yeah. 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 Uh, Bob, I got to know when I was first hired um, and, and a little bit when I was a student at Mizzou and then of course, Rick Hummel, who I've worked with for almost 20 years sitting beside him in the press box. And, you know, a lot of what I've learned about what it, takes to be a baseball writer and what it takes to understand baseball comes from Rick and everything that uh, that comes with the standards that are set at the post-dispatch for not just the quantity, but the quality of the baseball writing there comes from those guys and specifically Rick Hummel. You know, it's one of the things that like, you know, this like the, the Cardinal fans and the best fans in baseball and that whole notion. Well, there is something to it because, you know, they're the most informed fans in baseball and that's because they've had Rick Hummel as their baseball writer for for five decades. So that's that's 
that keeps, you know, the, there's a responsibility there. And um, I give him a hard time because he set the bar so high that I'm just going to try to reach it. Um, but, you know, it, it also is like a big part of what it means to, for me, what it means to be, to have the, the opportunity and just be fortunate enough to cover baseball in this town um, with that tailwind of the other baseball writers who have been here. Yeah, it's a it's a heck of a tradition. Uh, but but as a fan and, and a reader, uh, I, I think you you're filling it quite well. I, I have Thanks. to say, um, Thanks. yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. One, one of the odd things uh, about Cardinal baseball, and I know sports is our word, and we're, we're going to get to sports in, in a wider capacity. But but since we're talking about this, uh, I grew up uh, with a grandpa. The grandpa that I mentioned in the intro to the show, he was a lifelong St. Louis Browns fan. So wow. he was a secret Cardinals fan. He <laughs> always talked about how, you know, oh, I'm a Browns fan. I would never root for the Cardinals. But he wa- he listened to every game, watched every game that was on TV, uh, read the Globe Democrat until the day it was no longer there and then went to the post. Uh, and so I remember kind of my awareness around Cardinal baseball, around baseball at all, came in the mid-70s. And I remember thinking, oh, uh, our team isn't very good. Because it was that one little blip in the history, uh, you know, where you had Vern Rapp uh, and Ken Boyer and, and those folks. And it's mm-hmm. weird when I hear people talk about, you know, oh, Cardinals, best fans in baseball, great tradition. It's like it's still welded in that six-year-old part of my brain that, like, we're the underdog and that that we're not going to win the division. Yeah, there's probably something to that, you know, as far as also the size of the market, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they're, they're – there is a big part of the history and a big part of the fan base that rightfully clings to the 11 championships, um, 12, if you want to claim the one before they turn, they join the national league, mm. um, you know, and having that, I mean, it, it comes up and, and I think it's great that it does and it should be trumpeted. Um, this notion that no other team except for the big, bad Bronx Yankees um, and all the spending they've done and all the advantages they have and all the massive market that they pull from, um, you know, only the Yankees have more championships than the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals have had to, for a long time, um, compete through ingenuity. Um, and that's partially because that's part of their identity, right? Going back to Branch Rickey and the farm system and, you know, just the style of play that, that really is treasured by the Cardinals and then also fortified and treasured and then perpetuated by the fan base. Um, it's interesting you mentioned like the 70s, the 70s and the 90s are kind of right. The islands mm-hmm. there, um, you know, no championships in, in there and not a whole lot of contention. Um, but, you know, there there is one of the more fascinating parts about being, you know, covering the Cardinals, but also for like for Cardinal fans is something that Mike Shannon mentioned to me. And it was like that every generation has its championship, right? Every generation mm-hmm. has a championship like you know, you're, you know, the, my son born in St. Louis, grew up in St. Louis. He's, he was, he's got the 2011. He remembers the 2011 championship. Um, I did not grow up in St. Louis, but the, the St. Louis folks who are of my age, they have the eighties championships. Um, my dad, uh, not a Cardinal fan, um, but he would have the sixties championships. And my grandfather, a big Cardinal fan who told me all about the Cardinals, was a fan because he had the forties championships. And so you have like every generation, every 20 years. And I, 
I hear this all the time from grandmothers and granddaughters and, you know, grandfathers and grandnephews and, um, you know, this, this kind of shared experience of having a championship either in their youth or during their generation. The other part of it that I find really fascinating is you can draw a line that is a continuum for all the hall of famers. So even in the seventies, you had a hall of famer to watch, you know, every, oh, yeah. every Cardinal fan has, there's uninterrupted and it'll continue here, I guess, with Pujols and Yadier Molina. They've always had a, a, a hall of famer somewhere on the field. Yeah. Lou Brock was the, was the big reason we went to games. That's, that's who we wanted yeah. to watch. And they, they had the tote board in the outfield, you know, yeah. as he got to the, <laughs> the, the career number for stolen bases and all that, you know, we, we'd get the straight a ticket, uh, things mm-hmm. through, through the heist, you know, through the school and, and, and go sit and, and, and cheer, you know, even if the rest of the team wasn't doing well, we'd cheer for Lou to, to steal a base yeah. because at least we'd come home happy then. And he usually, yeah. he usually obliged. Right, right. If he got on base, there was a good chance yeah, he was yeah. going to steal it, right? Yeah. I remember as you're talking about the eighties, like I, I remember where I was when Ozzie Smith, uh, hit the home run down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on Harris Avenue in Greenville, Illinois, uh, driving to pick, I think I had just stopped to get some gas. I had just finished my radio shift and that happened. And I just started honking. There was no one else on the road, but I was just honking away, uh, because that had happened. And it's, it's, odd to me to think back that that meant so much because mm-hmm. it's just sports uh but at the same time history has shown that that for whatever reason we love sports now not everybody does a lot of people don't like sports but but enough people do that it, it keeps going i i imagine you you think about this from time to time why why sports what is what does it do what is its place yeah i mean at first it's a competition um, and sense, and, and also it's, it's part of a community, right? Like, uh, you don't have to live in the same place to find a community, say as Cardinal fans, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a passport that you can find a, a, a bar in Seattle. That's a Cardinals bar, right? So it's, it's a sense of community. Maybe even when you're not at your home, it's some kind of shared experience too. Um, and, and then I think, you know, the, the, the fact that they keep score and somebody wins gives it, you know, something that's at stake. Right. Um, you know, we we think about like I I, uh, I enjoy movies quite a bit. Right. And one of the like the idea, one of the things I really enjoy is like you go to like the premiere, the midnight showing or something like that. And you share that movie event with the big fans. Right. Even if like I'm not like a major fan of of say the latest superhero um, who's on the big screen. I still like going to that movie. Cause you, you, there's a, there's a, there's a vibe in the mm-hmm. room um, that, you know, and they, there's applause and, you know, it's, it's it, there's a, there's noise, a murmur and a buzz um, because, and you get that shared experience of theater and all that being said is it's still scripted. There's still an ending. Someone has seen it before me. Um, somebody knows how that's going to play out. Um, either we've read the book or whatever, right? Um, or you can feel it coming. That's not the case in sports. It's a shared unknown as opposed in addition to being a shared experience. And you know, that can be galvanizing in ways that so many other things we gather to see aren't. 
so when we when we go to see like uh, like some of my favorite things, like say musical theater or theater, we go and we experience that. You don't really know all of that's coming, right? There's an improvisation aspect. There are things that can be thrown, but for the most part, you know what direction the play is going to go, right? You go see Hamlet, right. you know how it ends. You go see Romeo and Juliet, you know how it ends. You go to Game Six of the World Series and you see David Freeze, you know, miss a pop up in foul territory early on. There, you don't know that by the end of the evening, he's going to be a hometown hero forever. And that people who weren't even within the same area code of that game are going to claim they were at that. (laughs) And I think that sports has that element of unscripted theater that adds in the element of you are actually rooting for one outcome, whether whatever team you're cheering for, you're rooting for an outcome. And those aspects all kind of come together into this confluence of, you know, excitement and memory and the thrill of the unknown that this might be the moment, right? That, you know, this might be the year that the Cubs win the World Series. And you say that every year and then the year it happens, um, you just can't replace that. You can't. And that's because you don't necessarily, you can't. You can't take it for granted that this is the time it happens. Yeah, or wipe it from your memory, depending on who right. you're a fan of. Right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's all accurate, uh, and that, that that describes very very well uh, how how we act around sports. But I still I have conversations with people sometimes, like, yeah, but why do you care? Right. Like I I get that it's unscripted and I I get that you don't know what's happening, but why do you care what those people out there are doing? You're not them. You don't have any stake in it. I mean, I guess if you gamble, you do, but if you're not, which most people still aren't, it's good if you're in fear, I guess, but you know, why, why, why do you invest yourself in that? Uh, and, and some people even go like, I mean, I guess I get it if it's your school, but you know, for pro sports, it's not even people from your town. They just hire people. Um, I think the movies is a good answer to that. Like, yeah, but why do you care about the movie? That's even, you're even less uh, connected to that. But usually the answer is that's a story that is scripted. And I want to hear a good story because it's got meaning invested in it. But a a game is just a game. Uh, do, do, you, do you think you have a response to that? Yeah. You know, I think um, for me, you know, I, I like to see people achieve now, how does that work? That could be like um, reading a book by a great author who shows tremendous verbal gymnastics and pulls off uh, an amazing story. That could be a great acting feat. Um, you know, it could, and also it's sports. Like, um, I think, you know, the, you know, not every game is going to give you that great moment, but every game has that potential. And I, and I, I like to see others reach the peak of their performance um, and if they do so when it's most important, then all the more. I mean, is the, the, the idea that like you perform at your best when you're on the biggest stage, I, I find very appealing. I find that a, a really a great human drama. And I know in sports, I'm going to see it. So maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the thing that I'm most interested in, I know I can find in sports. <laughs> so, yeah. huh. um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to find that. Uh, elsewhere i can't be sure of finding but i'm i'm sure that i find it in sports um you know i I like the challenge of the games um i can't say that i like i'm a i'm a fan of every sport um that's not there but i i do like baseball a lot um and part of why 
I like baseball so much fits into that because baseball is so much geared towards two things. One, failure and your recovery from it mm-hmm. and the daily um, the daily presence of it. Baseball is played every day. You know, there are 162 games. It's a long season. You know, now the playoffs are even longer. Um, you know, hockey playoffs stand out for just the the challenge of those. But, you know, baseball adding layer after layer of playoffs only adds to the the challenge of October. Um, it's just this long grinding season that for the most part is paved with failure. And so when you seek to find like you, you enjoy seeing people at the peak of their ability performing to the best of their ability, I find in sports and particularly baseball, it stands out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a guy goes, he, it's a good bet a guy's going to go zero for three, um, but the time he hits three home runs is pretty remarkable. Then, and, and I, I do find that really compelling storytelling and a really compelling story um, that that plays out before us. I I think there's there's something there to the fact uh, that we like to just uh, just as human beings uh, mm-hmm. we model other people when we see other people doing something we model that in our head so you know if you see a guy trying to pick something up you're as silly as that is try to pick a penny up off the road you're just going to innately go like i hope he gets it you know like like right just move to the left move to the right um and i i think the appeal of sports is a little bit of that which do you think that could explain why some people like sports and some people don't? Because one of my, one of my things that I'll tell people is like, yeah, do you, do you like watching Twitch? Do you like watching esports? It's like, it's the same thing. It's just, they're playing a video game and these other folks are playing sports. And usually the answer is like, yeah, but I'm interested in that. And maybe it's, maybe it's the modeling. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm in, like you said, I'm interested in being able to do that. I can't do Mm -hmm. it as well as they are, but for a moment when I'm watching them, my brain kind of gets tricked into being them a little bit. Oh yeah. Like vicarious success. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see that in sports. I think, you know, that, that I think you, you know, there's a real big connection there with like, um, like being entertained by, uh, someone performing, mm-hmm. whether that's performing, um, on a violin or performing on a PlayStation five. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the act of seeking entertainment, through the show put on by somebody else. Um, or in some cases you get to be the show, right? Like, like, you know, people are listening to this podcast and they've come to you to, to, to hear it because they want to know the conversation you're going to spark in a way. It's like, okay, this is, that's the performance element of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sports is, uh, is just another stage for that with the twist, right? Is this isn't, the St. Louis podcast, right? But it is the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's to your point. When they succeed, St. Louis succeeds. My city succeeds. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like you have yeah, that yeah. added um, feel that probably is most profound and most acute in college, right? Like, like that sensation of, okay, the football team or basketball team um, did well. My college is doing well. And it's why, like, you know, you go to college for three, four, five, eight years, whatever it is. Um, but it's, you know, for most of us, it's not the majority of our life. And yet we're lifelong fans of those sports, right? You yeah. know, and 
when Mizzou plays KU for the rest of my life, I will have somebody who the, the stakes of that game is somehow how proud we can be of our university that day. Yeah, no, I, I, my, my brother lives in Wisconsin. So every time Illinois plays Wisconsin, Badgers, yeah, yeah, there's a, there, there are text messages going back and forth. Absolutely. And how uh, long ago were you there? You know, oh, I graduated in, in, uh, nine, 92. Yeah. And still it's a touchstone, right? Yeah. Like it's still a connection that you have. And in some ways, like the rivalry with your brother strengthens it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, but I think that there, I think that, you know, we, we, we all kind of seek in everything. I mean, whether it's sports or politics or interests, right? Like you seek a club and in sports, it just adds the element of it being where you're from, right? Where you grew up, where you live now, um, what you had access to. It's like an, an instant identifier, right? Like we, you know, from St. Louis, what's the question that you get, right? Yeah. Well, where'd you go to high school? Yeah. Right. Instant identifier. Well, sports is just that globally, right? Like if you ask me what soccer team I like, there's a pretty good bet you know a little bit about me. If you, better question is if you ask me what baseball team I grew up watching and rooting for, you probably know a little bit about me that it's a shortcut to mm-hmm. find out something about somebody. Yeah. It's, it, it, I, I've, uh, I've suffered – under that, uh, you know, wearing a hat that's not my team where people, mm-hmm. you know, like had a guy on, on a show once who was from Seattle. So I wore a Mariners hat and he, you could see him brighten up. Oh, are you a Mariners fan? I'm like, no, I just yeah. wore this in your honor. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, to your point about, you know, being tied into identity, uh, I lived in Oakland, California from 2006 until, 2013 when we moved to Los Angeles we were A's season ticket holders and went to the games cheered for the A's loved the A's knew every player i was very heartened when eric chavez's name came up recently and talking about third baseman and and being underrated uh and then when we moved to los angeles we still liked him the connection was gone. We weren't in that place anymore. And my wife had grown up a Dodgers fan. I had grown up a Cardinals fan. And so we just kind of went back to those teams. But there was something when we were in Oakland that, you know, didn't override. We didn't lose our association with those other teams. But, you know, that community aspect really held on to us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. I, you know, the just kind of the the what other thing pours all that stuff together, you know, unscripted excellence, you know, that's legacy at stake in some cases, um, certainly money at stake in a lot of cases, um, but also like a community connection, um, like a, a shared experience or shared history that is immediate. Um, a good way to get to know a town in a lot of ways is to know their sports teams um, and just kind of get a vibe for their history. 
and and know the fans. When we were season ticket holders, yeah. we knew the people in the seats next to us. Great and, point. And of course, with the A's, we you know it was the the drummers out in the outfield, <laughs> and yeah. and you know you get you get that whole vibe, uh, and you learn all those things. The only the only bad thing about it is we decided to see the A's play the Cardinals in Bush Stadium uh, when they they went back. We we traveled and visited my family, and sitting in the stands, I I, I felt bad because I was cheering for the Cardinals. That's the way I was raised. But I knew the A's and they they were my my American League team at the time. Uh, and and yet all of that stress and angst was was just about people being paid, you know, a lot of money to 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 go play a game down there. It, but it meant something. Yeah. We, do you think there's a small talk aspect to it in the sense that, like, if you are in a town, you can talk about the weather because we're all experiencing the weather. Sure. Um, but you could talk about sports because that's some kind of connection. Um, you know, especially in a streaming society when not everyone is plugged into say primetime TV, um, you got weather sports and politics that are kind of the, yeah. right. The, 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 the DVR proof news and, and topics. So do you think there's a small talk aspect to it? That certainly perpetuates it. That makes sense. Right. Uh, I, I have a neighbor across the street who's a Kings fan. And mm-hmm. when he found out I was a blues fan, it was an instant bond. He's like, Oh, somebody else who even knows hockey. We didn't even, we weren't even fans of the same teams, but, but we could talk about it and, you know, it was around 2019. So there was a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's one of, one of the layers maybe that, that Mm -hmm. cements sports. It's, it's not, it wouldn't be enough on its own, but it's one of the things that, that propels it. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I think so. It's accessible. Right. Like, and like you can talk about it at different degrees too. Right. Like hockey is a great example. You can have a casual conversation about someone about hockey and the speed of the game or the roots of the game or different players or how exciting a, a slap shot or how hard a slap shot is. Or you can then go and have a conversation about like left wing locks and mm-hmm. shift length and everything like that. Like, right. It's kind of like an accordion, right? Like it expands to meet the conversation, how detailed you want to get. And certainly baseball, um, if not like the leader in the clubhouse, to borrow a phrase from another sport, is certainly way up there as far as how you can talk about baseball at so many levels. Um, we can talk about baseball as in great players and do they need to do more to promote the individual players? You can have that conversation almost with anybody, whether they're baseball fans or not, because you can ask them. How much do you know about the current great players? How much do you know about how great the game is? Now, can I tell you about Shohei Itani? Or you can then dig in real deep and have a discussion about the Hall of Fame and whether wins above replacement and WOBA and weighted runs created and ballpark factors and how that should be, you know, factored into the Hall of Fame consideration for Todd Helton. Um, and whether or not that would help or hurt the case of a player from your youth, Keith Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. You know, how Scott Rowland being elected to Cooperstown definitely plays into a look at, say, Ken Boyer and Keith Hernandez. Yeah, there's there's so many of those kinds of conversations. Uh, my NFL knowledge dwindles to almost zero after 1988 uh, when the Cardinals went to Arizona. But I still get really excited to talk to folks about, you know, the, all the teams, not just the Cardinals of of the late seventies and eighties, because my dad on Sundays sat down and watched 
all the games that were aired. Uh, if Sunday Ticket had been around, he would have absolutely had that and stacked up two or three televisions uh, to watch multiple games. And I think one of the reasons that I fell off that particular sport was he was my connection to it and the team left. So when the team left, we both didn't have that shared thing to talk yeah. about anymore. And then, of course, when when he passed away uh, in 2004, that, that was my last connection to, to even talking about it at all. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's. It's a powerful event-oriented part of our culture, right? Sports and and the fact that like you have like family can share it in a lot of different ways. You know, my father happens to root for a football team. Um, like he's a Packer fan, and mm-hmm. I grew up a Bears fan, and so it's a running gag, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still something we share. Um, his brother. How did that end up? How did you end up picking the bears then? I was born in Chicago. Um, I was born in Chicago. We moved when I was really young and, uh, and it was important back to part of our conversation for me to have a connection Mm -hmm. to the town in which I lit, you know, was born. I wanted something. And you knew someday you'd work for the post dispatch. So it couldn't be the Cubs. It had to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was, I was, uh, I was brought up by, uh, by, uh, by a, a Milwaukee Braves fan ah. who swore off the National League when they left. And so the National League was n- a non-starter in oh, my wow. family. Um, and then we moved to uh, Colorado. And so I grew up in the time zone baseball forgot. And so it was a lot of AAA baseball and a lot of um, what whatever baseball I could get from afar. Now, WGN was a part of that, right, mm-hmm. because that was accessible. But um, – but it was always who was playing the Cubs because my dad was not having anything to do with the National League. Hmm. Um, so, you know, which was fascinating because my, 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 my grandfather, huge Cardinal fan. So listening, my, my Cardinal um, appreciation and early exposure to the Cardinals comes from my granddad who would tell me stories about the teams he knew the players he knew mimicking the different stances or for telling me that he was pitching as fast as so-and-so. Uh-huh. And I, of course I believed him. Um, and then, uh, and then listening to games on the radio because um, he, they lived in Wisconsin and we could get games there. Yeah. That's uh, it, it's, it's interesting. My dad really didn't like baseball, uh, mm. but both my grandfathers loved it. Um and and one of my grandfathers uh, w- had died in the fifties, uh, mm-hmm. but just it kind of permeated, uh, you know, my grandma's world when she was still alive, and 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 even my dad who who sort of rebelled against it, and then my grandpa loved baseball on the other side on my mom's side. So even when there's even it, it's interesting you're talking about the fact that you you sort of had this cardinal's presence even though your dad was anti. National Actually, League. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it takes a village to turn someone yeah. into a sports fan, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, baseball was just a most constant. Like, I mean, we just played it every day. My yeah. dad, and I, I mean, my dad would get home from work and um, we would uh, we would play. He'd hit me fly balls. He'd hit me ground balls. We'd play catch. Um, he'd tell me about Mickey Mantle. Um, you know, uh, when when it would snow, um, the the 
some of the kids I grew up around, we'd carve base paths in the nearby cul-de-sac nice. so we could play some kind of baseball, um, some, uh, some like just a uh, improvised rule set for snow baseball. Yeah. Um, baseball was just always there, um, which is interesting because baseball, baseball was always there for me as a sport, but major league baseball was never there or like, wasn't, wasn't really nearby. Cause I couldn't, couldn't get it um, unless it was on the radio. Um, but I was able to get it through the newspapers. So I would get, and that's partially of my fondness for newspapers mm. um, and, and that I grew up reading them in part, to have some kind of contact with box scores and baseball. So I think that, you know, there's, there's really like when you talk about sports and the hold that it has on, on, on us, um, there, there is like a story aspect to it too. Right. Um, you know, talking about movies earlier, my, my, my family makes fun of me cause I I'll cry at movies and sometimes it's the most predictable, you know, mighty ducks overcoming the odds <laughs> right. moment. And, and I'd be like, Oh, I tear up a little bit, but it's, you know, it's the story of setback and achievement, yeah. setback and achievement. And, you know, sports offers us some really compelling stories, whether it's overcoming something, fulfilling something, bouncing back from something, um, you know, proving something, whatever you can find, all whatever layer of stories you want to find, um, you can find in sports. You know, you pull apart the different strands of the hero's journey, and you'll find that in sports. And so, um, I, I think that comes out too with how we all experience the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yeah. that that it's kind of a national. It's a, definitely a national thing. It's national pride. We you know, root for either the country we're fond of or the country we're from or whatever, but how we're introduced and then presented, you know, the, the players on the field is very narrative, right? Like you get the, um, you get the introduction to them, right? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to go to the live sporting event and we all are on the edge of the diving board going, don't know how this is going to end. And no one does. Yeah. And then you get to experience it together. So I, I think it is, you know, there, there's a real strong, powerful storytelling aspect to it that the way we get to, particularly the Olympics, but also say the Super Bowl, which is coming up, you're going to be introduced. Well, to that's it. scripted. I read that on the Internet. It's not- oh, did you? OK. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tom Brady's not in it this year, so we really don't know how it's going to go. Um but, uh, you know, this notion like you, you just yeah, yeah. kind of presented, okay, here here are all the things, background, everything. Okay, now we join the story already in progress. No idea how it's going to go. Yeah. I, I think that's a, real, um, that's a real powerful form of storytelling in any genre. Um, and it, it's there in sports. And I, I think that explains a little bit of why people don't like sports when they don't, uh, mm. because they don't know the story. 
They're yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I have no connection to this person. If you just take someone to a game and they don't know anything about the players, what's the first thing you do? You start explaining, oh, this guy's the new rookie. He just came up. Uh, this this right. guy's an old veteran. He's been struggling. Uh, this guy's on a tear. He's got a hit streak going. You're giving that context. You're giving him elements of that story. And and the Olympics is a great example. You're why people are like, well, I don't really like sports usually, but I love the Olympics. And that mm-hmm. that could that could be that alone right there could be why. Yeah. And I wonder too, like maybe if, if you go to a baseball game and you're like, oh, I'm not really into the game, how much it is that where it's like, well, I don't want to know about the rules. Mm. But if you go to a baseball game and the conversation is about the people, if that's more compelling, you know, that's usually it, what I, I end up doing with people is I, I try yeah. to tell them about, you know, well, oh, that's Mookie Betts. He used to be on the Red Sox here, you know, and then suddenly they're like, okay, I've got a little story yeah. going on. He's a know? heck of a bowler. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, yeah. You, you want to bring that stuff to be like, oh, really? That's interesting. Suddenly, yeah. it's a more interesting. It's a, it's a the character has depth for them. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're, I think there's probably something to that. You know, we to talk with like young, young um, students and stuff like that, or or even like um, young sports writers, and they're starting up, and they don't all start with like a beat on the sport that they want. So they have to go cover um, some other sport that maybe they don't know all that well. Or that any of us don't know all that well, um, you know, it, it, like, all right, well, I'm going to go cover this, uh, say, cricket league that gathers every Sunday. Well, I don't really know cricket. It's like, okay, well, you're not going there to write about. You're going there to write about the people, yeah. write about the people. The people are the same. I, there, there's two other things about sports. Uh, I, I'll start with the wider one uh, mm-hmm. that, that came to mind as we were talking. Uh, that is the the sort of theory that I've seen floated out there that it is a substitute for war, uh, that, that it allows us to kind of get out aggressions against an opposing force, uh, in, in a more practical way. And that we, as the supporters and the fans also can, you know, cheer for, for something without, you know, blood and, and danger. Not, not that there isn't uh, yeah, as recent events, of course, have shown there's, there's always a little bit of danger, but not, not like a shooting war. How much? I'm not sure how much credence I give to that idea. I think there's a little bit of something. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's probably more than that than we probably want to. To be honest, like I, I could see how it's like you. It makes you kind of feel a little uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. because there's such stakes in war, and you don't want to minimize war by the comparison. Um, but I mean, we can't ignore the fact that the NFL is a ground game. Right. It's about mm-hmm. it's about annexing ground from your opponent. Um, so there are elements in it. You know, you think about like how we learned about war from our textbooks. Right. And some of the battles were spectator events. Yeah. I right? can't wrap your mind around that really now, but you can if you think about it in a sports context right oh well, of course they laid out picnic blankets and watched the, <laughs> and um, and war battle yeah yeah right and the, you know but the our i mean like it, it does seem like we are instead of explaining sports the conversation feels like no we're we're minimizing war and we don't mm-hmm. want to do that we're 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 making the comparison in the wrong way um and, but I do see elements of that, you know, even, you know, who participates in sports, how soccer came to identify, you know, underdogs and countries felt like they could, if they wanted soccer, that was a way, I mean, even like, like, like during 
colonial eras, right? Like the, the role sports played, or even now when you talk about like sports washing, mm-hmm. um, as countries try to change their image or, um, or present a new, a new look to the world or a new, um, or even a gilded look to the world. It's through sports. So, uh, I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can dismiss the connections, but you have to tread lightly to not diminish the fact of how radically and violently and globally huge war is versus the local arena. Yeah. Well, you, you bringing up the, the fact that people used to treat battles as a spectator sport kind of, it kind of sparked a thought uh, that perhaps there used to be an element of sports to war and we have removed that. It's not that sports replaces war, but there was an element of, of war that is now migrated. It's not the only element, not even the majority element. Yeah, maybe maybe that that that's definitely the more the better direction to go, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah not to because uh, you're right. To, there is some. I mean, why would we even have national teams, really? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have national. Yeah, I don't. I get. Don't we have national everything? Like you, you kind of. Well, it depends on how socialist your government is, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But even then, like, you wear, like, uh, I, I don't know. I guess maybe, like, I, it's it's tough because you, you wear a flag. You don't have to be um, into sports. I guess not. Although, I, when I think of a, wearing something that says USA, I always imagine, like, an Olympics thing or a World Cup thing. Hmm. But, yeah, I guess you're right. I, you could just wear a, like, on July 4th. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, July fourth, or you're traveling abroad. And yeah, you have a, a and you put you a know, Canadian flag so that people think you're in a- right. Or yeah, <laughs> a pin. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, but you, but I don't, I don't just see it with like U.S. I mean, I, I you travel abroad, you see, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, from other, and they they have a a flag on their backpack, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think I think there's there's an element that overlaps, but it's probably not the the only element uh with war but the but yeah there's sports becomes national because so many other things are national because we think of things in, in a nationalistic way yeah and also i mean that's like our uh, that well, i mean we can't like reverse we can't unwire our history right mm-hmm. how we got here yeah is definitely influenced by you know how our culture got here is definitely influenced by everything that came before it good or bad or awful and you know, we acknowledge that. And so, you know, war is obviously a defining human event. Mm-hmm. It still is. It mm-hmm. always has been. Mm-hmm. You know, boundaries are, you know, borders are set. You know, countries are overtaken, all these things, right? So if if there's a war influence, I mean, in a way, it's like, well, is there a war influence to sports well, is there a war influence to books? Is there a war mm-hmm. influence to movies? Is there a war in- influence to music? There's the war influence yeah. um, because that's part of the human experience. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
obviously we're talking about baseball a lot. I'm a baseball fan. You're a, a baseball writer. Um, that's going to come up. But one of the reasons I, I know I'm a baseball fan is in the nineties, I lived in Austin, Texas. Um, I was going to grad school and then I dropped out of grad school and I, I had decided I didn't like sports. I had felt like, you know, maybe I was pressured into liking sports growing up. I don't have to like sports, but every time I'd be sitting in a bar and a Rangers or an Astros game would be on, I would just inevitably be looking at that screen. I'd be paying attention to that screen. And finally I admitted it didn't take me that long, but I admitted like, you know what? I, I legitimately like that sport. It's not a sport that I feel like I have to like. And I've always wondered, like, why is it baseball? Hockey's another sport that I, I like as well. But why was it baseball that really, like, I could not look away? And there's, there's just something pretty about baseball. Mm. The the green field, the symmetrical layout, <laughs> yeah. you know. The, and I'm not certainly not the first person to talk about all that stuff, but I, I really felt that. I'm like, yeah, you know that that really is appealing. Yeah, and then also like the rhythm of it, right? Yeah. Like the fact that you know there's going to be a pause. Mm -hmm. um, but not there's going to be a pause in action, but not necessarily a pause in events. Yeah. And, and less of a pause with a, <laughs> a clock on the picture, but that's fine. Right. Less of a pause. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, um, and then also the fact that like uh, you can have conversation in between it is a game that invites mm -hmm. um, conversation, even as play is going on um, and storytelling back to that point. For me, you know, I mentioned the like debate, the failure part and the everyday aspect of baseball. There, there are elements that baseball shares with newspapers or newspaper shares with baseball, whichever way you want to go that resonate with me. Um, my fondness for baseball, I've come to kind of, I've thought a lot about this is that it's sustained tension in a way, not every sport is. This is the pitch that could be hit for a home run. This is the pitch that could be a ball. This is a pitch that nothing could happen. This is the pitch that everything could happen. Um, and that moment, that that constantly being on the razor's edge of nothing happening or the greatest play you've ever seen happen um, is constant in baseball. And I, I really like that moment in sports. Um, I like soccer. For the same reason, um, I think I have a fondness for for hockey for a lot of the same reason. Mm -hmm. um, hockey, you feel it build a little bit. You can feel momentum building in that direction. And that's not to say that doesn't exist in baseball, too. It does. However, like you can feel momentum building in hockey for a shot that you have a reasonable expectation that that shot is going to happen. You don't know if it's going to go in. You don't know. But you know that that shot's going to happen. In baseball, it's less defined. You can feel momentum building, but that pitch might come nowhere near the zone. And then all of a sudden a walk happens or mm -hmm. you can feel that momentum building for the offense. And then it's that ground ball in play, Nolan Arenado, backhand, jump throw, momentum fizzles. But you just saw one of the greatest third base plays of all time. And uh, baseball has that, that, that ether there, I guess, would be a good way. That little that little moment of, of uncertainty, you know, the uh, either something amazing is going to happen, something's going to happen or like not like a pregnant pause. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like, uh, you, you just know that like you're on the cusp of something or nothing and it could go either way. And I like that tension 
yeah. there. Yeah, you're on you're on the brink uh, of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's I, I I think it's a lot of things uh, with me. Uh, T ball was one of the first memories <laughs> I had, you know, and and there we grew up with a, a couple of baseball fields behind our backyard. So baseballs would like from little league would fly into our yard. We'd always, I I would just find, I never had to buy a baseball growing up. There were always just baseballs in my backyard. Um, So it was just kind of ever present. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. That is the daily aspect of it, right? Yeah. Baseball's perpetual. And if you like us enjoyed it, uh, growing up and we're plowing snow lanes to, to play it. Cause you enjoyed it. There's, there's a positive nostalgic aspect to it. Even when you're watching somebody else play it. Absolutely. And that's, that's an ongoing conversation now that that's somewhat important. Um, that, but also somewhat subtle about baseball is this notion that like, okay, football is dominant and, and rightfully so. And in, like we talked about earlier, we're gearing up for the Super Bowl. Um, football is appointment television. That is part of its identity, right? That is part of, you know, when it's going to be on and your team is going to play this week and it's, this is a big game this week or, or your college is going to play this Saturday and that's everything. Mm-hmm. And it, you have all week building up to it. You have hours tailgating before all that stuff. It's appointment television. Um, baseball's identity is wrapped up in it's just constant presence. You know, you miss the game Tuesday you know what? There's another game Wednesday, man. I had something come up at home. I know I'll catch them tomorrow. Right. Like, like it's like a loose appointment, right? It's appointment in pencil sport. And the no, the idea that like baseball is trying to obviously build an audience so that it can build greater national rights fees, all this stuff, right. That is defined with what is a popular sport. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, you got to do some of that and build an audience and get a younger audience and and you know, add in a pitch clock so you speed things up or you know do find different ways to market. But what part of the identity of the sport is just that it's always there? Mm-hmm. And then we see that it's strange because you see the power of that most in baseball, maybe during the hot stove season when it's every. Day somebody is talking about what player their team could get or what player their team didn't get or what trade could happen. The other sports have dead zones, right? Built into their calendars. Baseball doesn't. There is, there's a trade deadline, but in the offseason, there's not a signing deadline. There's not a, there's not a silent period where no transactions don't take place. And so the potential of a transaction is always there. And so baseball is always there. Um, and I, I think that that's like such a big part of the identity of the game, um, and it, and its culture that as you, ch- as they look for ways to broaden the audience and they're like, well, we need this one game playoff, which they don't have anymore, but they had the one game mm-hmm. playoff. Yeah, yeah. or we need to go here. How do we make, how do we make baseball appointment TV? Well, maybe by its nature, it's not. And if you try to force it into being that, then what are you missing from it? And I think that's, I think it's, I don't have a really good answer except for, I don't, I, I think we should not ignore the fact that like you described it, that part of the appeal and charm and nostalgia and all the sepia tone stuff about baseball, but part of, part of the appeal of that sport is its daily nature mm-hmm. and how it's always there, there's always a 
baseball of some type to talk about. Well, and and even beyond just Major League Baseball, you you can always find a game if you yeah, really want to watch. Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's there's Caribbean, there's Korean, there's you know Australian, Japanese. Uh, there's heck, you just go to your local college. They're playing games, yeah. uh, and and I enjoy that. I I have found that that I'll enjoy a game that where I don't know the teams as much just because I know the game and, and yeah, I can sort of you can start you can sort of start to divine like okay that's their speedster guy okay that's their their hard thrower uh, this is their power guy oh wait I thought that was their power guy maybe <laughs> it's not you know and it's yeah it's, that could be fun too and I think. I think baseball is as a organization needs they've done a pretty good job of leaning into youth sports and trying to encourage that. But I think they could lean into that even farther. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I agree. I, th- I think like in some ways baseball is well positioned for social media. It's just about how, you know, certainly trade rumors and trade reports and breaking news and transactions, all that stuff is just like, I mean, that's Twitter catnip, right? I mean, that's just perfect for Twitter. Um, But if you could package the game's moments, like describing earlier, that like that you're on the brink of greatness. If you package those games moments, you have something special that could carry through social media. I I bring this up. um, You know, I've learned uh, a lot from my son, who's a baseball fan. Um, which probably comes as no surprise because he's around baseball. Sure. Um, I guess he could have gone the other way, but yeah, he's yeah. he's a baseball fan. Um, and like it was like he was like a fan at six, and then all of a sudden a fan at eleven. It twisted really quick. Hmm. But his relationship to the game and how he enjoyed it was so much different than mine. In this sense, is I enjoy having a game on, like you were talking about, like having a game on as kind of the soundtrack to what I'm getting done. Um, I can read a book, I could do bills, I could do other things. I can, but I can have baseball on in the background. And then you hear, you go, oh, well, I want to watch this at bat. I want to watch this picture, all that stuff, right? For him, he um, accessed baseball through the highlight shows, mm-hmm. the, like, you know, the, the, on MLB Network, where he knew, all right, somebody has already curated the great moments in this game, in these games. I'm going to, walk away from this knowing all that happened the previous night. I'm not going to have any of the downtime and I am going to love it. And, and I'm going to spend, you know, as much time watching that start to finish as probably my dad did watching a baseball game in, in spurts. Right. And it, it just, and I, I was like, there's, there's no right way to enjoy baseball. Both are equally, but it was like, Oh, okay, wait a minute. Like, He's he's getting everything I get from watching a game. Um, he's just doing it in that different package, and in a way, that package has ignited this fondness for for the game that maybe watching three and a half hours the night before of a single game with cutaway highlights wouldn't have done. Yeah, that, this is going to be a stretch, so stay stay with me here. But it reminds yeah. me when you're talking about your son of music fans. Uh, who, you know, the main product is the album, right? It's the music. Right. It's, it's the thing they listen to. But so much more these days, people are looking at, you know, what did they post on Instagram? What did they have on YouTube? What's on TikTok? 
I, I could absolutely see that being a vector for any sport, not just baseball, where the personalities that have always been huge in baseball throughout its entire history take a page from that and and are doing, you know, doing things that aren't even related to the game just to perpetuate the personality yeah. uh, and get people attached that way. And then then they're interested in the game. You have to have the game to feed that. Yeah. The NBA does a really good job with that yeah, too. Do. Like, you know, just kind of, um, and they have a great sport for highlights and compelling, compelling players, um, great athletes and, uh, you know, the showmanship aspect to that sport that is great that, that baseball has been maybe, maybe it's had the restrictor plates on a little bit. No, no, not maybe. Definitely. The, the, um, the, the, I have an argument with an AL White Sox friend of, of mine about, you know, the, the, the strangulation of baseball by its own traditions. Yeah. Yeah. The unwritten rules and the no bat flips yeah, and everything yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, ha, I mean, style plays, right. And, and, you know, I remember like, like I find it so fascinating that we celebrate that Bo Jackson caught a ball, ran up a wall and then down a wall and that's an, and it's cr- incredible. It's incredible video. I saw it again today. I'm like, that is just such a remarkable thing. Licks that one to left center field. Bo won the charge. Bo is there. Yo, on the run that wall. <laughs> Bo. Get up that wall. Bo knows exactly what he's doing. Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, I love it. They show it on the big screen. Listen to the crowd. And it's like, that that's style that's athleticism on full display that's awesome more of that why are we restraining that yeah. you know like oh he took too many steps oh he was <laughs> whatever yeah. come on it was awesome it was awesome you know fernando tatis jr bat flip against the cardinals in the playoffs not great for cardinal fans i get that but such timing and just, I mean, or fine, Albert Pujols' bat flip against Oliver Perez yeah. many, many years ago, right? The waterfall bat flip. All the story and context and background that goes into that moment. And man, he could have let, let him throw it across the Allegheny if he can. But, you know, <laughs> bat flip it as far as he wants. Yeah. I mean, that was a statement. And, uh, and I, I like that aspect. And, and baseball is in embracing that more and more. And there, there is a way for that, as you described, to play well on social media and for baseball's ubiquity to, to be a strength yeah, and not, you know, this, this notion that like, well, it's just always there. And it's an international sport. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you talk yeah. about bat flips, the, the Korea baseball organization, that, that's <laughs> like part of the highlight reel is what were the bat flips in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. That's you can right. exchange that DNA more, I think, and that would help too. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I, I could probably talk all day uh, with you about this. This is super fun, uh, but we have to wrap it up at some point. Sure. Uh, I always like to finish with a little word game here called this or that. Okay. All right. I've been studying and preparing <laughs> myself for this. I, I, well, I call it a that. word game, which really, I, it's funny. Like you're not the, the most guests are like, uh oh, I don't know. It's it's really simple. It's just I'm going to give you two options, and you choose one or the other. 
Yeah, I think when people say word game, right? Aren't we yeah. all kind of going, all right, it's Wordle. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's like a crossword right, puzzle. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's word, it's, uh, it's the spelling bee. We got to try to figure out, all right, right solve right. it. No wrong, no yeah. wrong answers. Uh, okay. First one right. is, is very uh, stereotypical, just an easy one to get, get you started. Hot dog or peanuts? Oh, uh, great question. Uh, at a ballpark, are we talking about? Let's say at a ballpark, sure. Okay. Uh, probably peanuts. Peanuts, yeah. All right. Yeah, probably peanuts. Yep. At the ballpark, yeah. Uh, why peanuts? Um, I'm more of a snacker at a ballpark than like a, than like a meal. Um, Mm -hmm. also like, I really like, I do like hot dogs. Um, there's a great place in St. Louis called Steve's hot dogs. Amazing hot dogs. Um, hot dogs at the ballpark are not always amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But a great hot dog, like a Chicago hot dog, those kind of, those are amazing. But I think I'd like to go to like a destination hot dog stuff. And, uh, yeah, back at the ballpark, I'm more of a snacker than a meal. Yeah, it's harder. Peanut peanuts are a little more consistent uh, across ball. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, can see that. Yeah. Uh, Spider Man or Captain America? Spider Man. It's not even close. Yeah, it didn't take you a half second, even. Yeah, I have a long-standing fondness, and uh, or, um, yeah, Spider Man means Spider Man was. I mean, I'm a huge comic book fan. Spider Man was the first comic that I I bought off the rack. I still have it. Um, I know it. I bought every amazing Spider-Man I think since and had the great, great highlight of my career chance to um, appear in an issue of Spider-Man. So that was, not, yeah, that, that, that's fantastic, man. Congrats yeah. on that. Yeah. So uh, that and getting on a baseball card, right? Yeah. Yeah. The two things that if you told the 11 year old me that would happen, <laughs> no, that's not, I mean, it was, it was a, a cool invitation. I got to, uh, to write a little bit about what Spider-Man meant to me for the 700th issue of amazing Spider-Man, just a great, I was so flattered, still, still amazed that I got the chance to do that. Awesome. Well, now I want to have you back and do the word Spider-Man as a, a whole other episode. <laughs> we can, but yeah. Uh, the next one With is great fast. Power comes great responsibility. Yes. Man. Right. Right. Uh, the next one is faster, slow zombies. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, slow. Because. You know, run them. Yeah. That seems, that seems reasonable. That's that's usually the slow zombie response, and that that's yeah. the one that makes the most sense to me. What's what's the what's the appeal of a fast zombie? It's over with quicker. Uh, some people are coming at it at the entertainment side. You oh, know, it's more fun to watch a fast that. zombie, right? Oh um, yeah, okay. I had I, one I person a little bit too real <laughs> who said it would be good target practice to have faster oh my zombies. God. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, no slow zombies. Uh, Vin Scully or Mel Allen? Oh, tough. Um, I, uh, Mel Allen is the soundtrack of my, uh, like, uh, of my youth, right. This week in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but Vin Scully, uh, had the pleasure of meeting and talking to, gosh, you have to make me choose one. Um, Vin Scully. And that that's mostly, um, out of respect for having met him and, mm. um, having disappointed him and, um, disappointed and, him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you work with a hall of fame baseball writer, Rick Hummel, longtime baseball writer at the post dispatch, and you get to your seat at Dodger stadium and Vin Scully is at the seat and he goes, Oh, am I in your seat? And I go, yeah. He goes, I was waiting for Rick Hummel. And I had to go, well, well no, I'm on this road. trip, <laughs> And to see. see the disappointment in his yeah. face that Rick Hummel <laughs> wasn't there. And I was, that's yeah. real, man. Um, but also, like, uh, it is cool when Vin Scully tells a story 
that it, that he got from one of your articles. That's a really cool. Yeah, that's, a, that's a cool feeling. Feather in your cap, there for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's just cool. It's it's a cool thing, and um, yeah. So Vince, that's a tough one, though, man. Tough. Yeah, I th- I thought about throwing Ernie Harwell in there, but then he's. He's more somebody we know through history. I would I would guess for you as certainly for me. Oh, I got to meet him and went up to Do- or to Tiger Stadium. Um, but yeah, not not someone that like had tattoos. Like um, you mentioned the podcast earlier, like that. Hello, everybody at the beginning. That's Mel. Yeah, Mel Allen, right? This week in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, savory or dessert crepes? Oh boy, savory. Savory. Why savory? Um, not not the. S- s- I guess probably dessert crepes have a lot of sugary fruit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very, very sweet. Um, and I'd rather go with the savory, cheesy aspect of, uh, of that crepe. All right. Uh, dogs or cats? Tough. Um, I do like my dog. Dog, dog. You got, you got me at a weak moment. Um, I spent <laughs> a lot of time cleaning um, after a cat this past week in my office. I see. Um, whereas the dog, not so much. Yeah. So, dog. All right. Fair enough. And uh, one of my best pals when I was uh, just starting off in this business was a dog that I had. So, yeah. yeah. Dogs are the best. I, I grew up yeah. with cats even, but yeah. I'll yeah. Love dogs. You can't, uh, cat can't feel the ground ball. Can't really play catch with a baseball. You know, a dog you can do No, we had an outdoor cat and we would play wiffle ball in the backyard and she never fielded one. No. Not no, once. Not yeah. once. No, whereas the dog always would. Yeah. Uh, and fly balls on the ground. And I, I had a <laughs> yeah. dog who could pick him. Yeah. Albert Pujols or Bob Gibson? What's the context? Yeah, I don't have context on it. So you can put whatever context you want. Mm. Boy, that's um, – context is everything in that question. Um, I guess both it's of them, eras, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought maybe like both of them – had the same reaction to some of my questions. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> see that too. <laughs> the stare, the, did you really just ask that? Uh-huh. Who do you think you are to just ask that? You um, can say both. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I, I'll go both in this sense, not just in that question, but in, in when it comes to the Cardinals and the team that you root for and the team that I cover, there are, defining players that define what it means to be a Cardinal. People can roll their eyes and go like, Oh, Cardinal way and everything like that. Um, but they're, they're just elements. Like you could see that guy and go, Oh, that's a Cardinal style player. That's a Cardinal. Player. And there are, there are the reason for that is because of the icons like Stan Musial mm-hmm. and Bob Gibson and Albert Pujols now. And so Albert Pujols is the modern and Yadier Molina too. I probably should, but anyway, but like when you think of like defining players, it, if I can attach that to the question, you, the, the answer is both because Gibson defined what it means to be a great pitcher as a Cardinal. Albert Pujols defined what it means to be a great phenom champion and hitter as a Cardinal. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great answer. Uh, I, I was just picking two like great <laughs> cardinals uh to to see what we ended up with and you you turned it into something awesome thank you for that because yeah. uh, I, I i could have done ken reitz and ken obergfell uh right I, and i would have gone with which are the two gr- autographs i got growing up oh really that's those are good yeah yeah ken, ken reitz great 
um, very friendly gentleman. He was around the ballpark a lot before, um, you know, over this last era and, uh, was there very, always happy to see folks, which was, you know, that, that it's the, the Cardinals to do a good job of keeping their alumni around. Yeah. yeah I like that. Uh, all right. Finally, uh, hot or cold, cold, unless we're talking coffee. Uh, no, I was, I was thinking more atmosphere. Yeah. You prefer the cold. I, I do. And I'm saying that from spring training in Florida. Which, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fair um, enough. I, uh, I, I like, I mean, I like crisp cold. I like shoveling snow. I don't really do it. As well. I love shoveling snow. Um, I think some of it is because I missed that some of that season by being in Florida. Um, so probably there, there's a, there's a longing there for something that I've not, you know, that I don't have to deal with is maybe my feeling would be different if I lived in Minnesota sure. in, in February, as opposed to, um, to Florida, um, for February. But yeah, no, I, I, I like that cold mountain kind of feel. Yeah. Um, wow. That I grew up in. I, I remember the, the day I was walking from Murphy's pub across the quad at Illinois and said, I will, huh. I will go to grad school somewhere warm and I will never come back. <laughs> I mean, does it get, I mean, like in St. Louis, right? October, now November. I mean, that, that, that's such a good time to be in St. Louis, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the crisp kind of chill and the, the colors are alive on all the trees. Um, you know, parks are just, they're just bursting with all different types of colors and you need the right kind of jacket to be out there, but not too warm. And yeah. That, yeah. So cool. now I do miss that and I can visit it because my sister still lives there. So yeah, there yeah. you go. I, yeah. I get the That's best good. of both worlds. Yeah, you do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, Derek, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and chatting with me today. I really, really, yeah. really appreciate it, man. Yeah, this has been great. I appreciate the, uh, the the conversation, the chance to talk to, and, and also the challenge of the questions. It was good. Oh, thanks. It makes, makes me makes me try to think of the the other uh, the deeper facets of of sports, um, and also defending. Uh, I don't mind it. I like I like getting getting a chance to kind of defend my fondness for baseball. Good, good, good. Uh, if folks want to follow your work, they should obviously go to sdltoday.com or the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, are there any other places people should know to go and, and follow what you do? I'm pretty much got the social media stuff covered, I think. So it's mostly de-gooled at whatever um, whatever site we're going with now these days. Uh, it's D-G-O-O-L-D at, uh, on Twitter. I think it's on Instagram, the same thing. But you know, the, what, what else, are, what else are we migrating toward this? Yeah, month? If you're on TikTok, I don't know. Oh, I'm not on TikTok. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Ah, not on TikTok. One of these I, days. I, should I be? I, there's a lot of people there, but then who knows? They may shut it down in the next year. <laughs> yeah. we'll see. I, don't I don't know. I, I, I feel like, uh, well, uh, you know, the podcast conversation like we're having, I mean, hard to condense into TikTok. So I'm not quite sure I, I have kind of the, the skills for TikTok just yet. Gotcha. Which, uh, gotcha. Or the podcast is best podcast in baseball. I, I'll be honest. I think TikTok's a little intimidating. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I haven't quite cracked my approach to it uh, myself yet, there, but there's something there. There's, there's something beyond just dance challenges. So I, uh, oh, good. one of these good. days I'll figure it out. And I'll, All right. I'll let well, you dance know. challenge is way up my alley. Yeah. I think that's like the only time I ever appeared on TikTok. Oh, really? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I need to hear more about that. 
<laughs> no, 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 we need to have that erased. Oh, uh, well, uh, we're out of time, folks. Thanks for being with us. Uh, uh, thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lamos. Thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show and special bonus outtakes from this episode with ACAST+. Plus. Click on access exclusive content at awordpodcast.com and we'll have a word with you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.